I'm going to, I've done this a couple times now, and I don't know that it's a new habit, but I'm going to give you my title, and then I'm going to kind of read and uh, read and, and preach, read and comment. So I want to I wanna preach to you this morning on this subject, He, and I don't think I have to say it, but I mean God, He's in the chaos. He's in the chaos. Luke chapter 24, and I'm going to read a significant portion of this chapter. So if you have a Bible or a device or some way in which you can follow along, or I think we're back to the verses on the screen. Is that right? Awesome. So now you can just follow along on the screen if you need to. But Luke chapter 24 and verse number 13 is where we're going to start. And uh, the the time frame here, the context of this is basically right after Jesus' resurrection. And so that's that's what's going on in this particular passage. So verse number 13 says this, And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs. Now, the King James here says two of them. But if you read a couple of the other translations, it says they were disciples. That's important because... In the context of what we're about to read, these were not just two random individuals. This was not just just two guys who happened to be out on a walk. These two guys were, were disciples. In fact, according to some of the Bible scholars, and there's no definitive proof on this, but according to some Bible scholars, it is thought that one of these two disciples is actually Luke, the writer of the book of Luke. And so it says that two of them went the same day to a village called Emmaus, and they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. That means they they didn't recognize him. They, They did not realize who it was. Now, I, I, I know that from Scripture, one explanation of that could possibly be because of the abuse that he had taken leading up to his resurrection, that he was unrecognizable. And, and maybe that's part of the reason why. But at, at the same time, the voice, the voice, I don't think, changed. And these guys were disciples. That means they had heard him talk more than anyone else. I could close my eyes right now and there's, there's the, the group that was on the platform is now sitting down. And uh, I think pretty much with my eyes closed, if they individually said something, I could pick out who they are. I know I could definitely do that with my wife. My four kids may take me a moment because sometimes it can get confused because as siblings, they, they sometimes sound alike. I, I think I probably could pick out William pretty quickly and Jalen pretty quickly. And because we, we know a voice. And so I, I think it's not only if in fact maybe it was that Jesus had been so badly disfigured by by the abuse that he took, I think the voice was still the same, and yet they didn't even recognize him. And we'll see this in a moment. They didn't even recognize his voice because in verse number 17, in fact, he he speaks. He says, what manner of communications are these 
that ye have one to another as you walk and are sad. What, what are you talking about? What is, what's the conversation that, that you guys are, are, are discussing? What, what's the topic you're discussing? And, and, and obviously he could tell by their demeanor that they were sad. It wasn't a jovial conversation. There wasn't chuckling and laughter that was going along with it. I, I'm quite certain he, not only from, from the sound he could hear, but from the observation can sort of picture them. I don't think it says it clearly here, but I, I just can sort of imagine these two guys just sort of shuffling down the road, having this conversation, heads down, maybe shoulders kind of slumped because of the weight of what they had just gone through. Jesus says, what, what are you talking about and why are you so sad? Now, now watch this. Listen to these next couple of verses. And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? And hast thou not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? I think this is a little bit of humor in this verse. They are asking Jesus, the very one who just went through the things that they are so discouraged and depressed about. Are you a stranger here? Do you not know what's just happened the last couple of days? And then watch this, verse number 19. He says, what things? <laughs> what? <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> Tell me what you're referring to that's happened the last couple of days. And they said unto him, Watch this, concerning Jesus of Nazareth. So they're now about to tell Jesus about what Jesus went through. They're now about to explain to Jesus everything he's gone through the last few days. I think I don't think I finished my point earlier. I think the reason they did not recognize him is because they were so distraught over their circumstances. They were so caught up in what was going on that they didn't even realize that Jesus himself was with them because there was so much chaos and confusion. Their world had been turned upside down. He was a prophet. He was, a, he was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to, the, to be condemned to his death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished which were early at the sepulcher and when they found not his body they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive and certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even as they as the women had said that but him they saw not now jesus speaks again o fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? D didn't you hear the prophecies? He's going to go through some stuff, but basically it's going to be all right. He speaks again. The first time, he, according to the King James, he just simply spoke two words. What things? This time it's, it's several sentences. And they still... Don't recognize him. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he, this is Jesus, in fact, he's continuing now. We, we don't have the exact words in red letters here, but, but this is saying Jesus continues and he expounded beginning at the prophets all and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scripture the things concerning himself. 
And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. And they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent, and went in and and he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. I, I'm assuming, I'm just assuming here, I'm not making a definitive statement. I'm assuming that somehow Luke, if Luke was in fact one of these two disciples, when Jesus took that bread and blessed it and break it all of a sudden he had a flashback to a few days before wait a minute it's it's you we've been telling you about what you went through and now we see the next verse says this and they said one to another, he's now vanished out of their sight. They, they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the, the scriptures? What they're saying there is, man, I, now that I look back at it, now that I think back to it, as he was talking, there was something stirring on the inside. I, I was feeling something. I, I sensed something. That's why I, I, I don't, I, I, I realize there can be certain elements of how we preach and the way we preach that maybe, maybe it is just sort of our, our practice, our habit, our culture, whatever you want to call it. Nevertheless, when a man or woman of God is delivering the word of God, there ought to be something that stirs inside. It, it may not be an overwhelming feeling every, but there ought to be something that recognizes this is, this is not just some nice little motivational speech I'm hearing here. These are not just some cute little words, but the spirit of God and the word of God is speaking to me and there is power and there is life in those words. Finally, they realized he he's with us in the midst of our depression, in the midst of our discouragement. He's been with us. I, I, I say this numerous. I've said it numerous times. I've made this point many times now, and I would venture to say I will keep making it in the future. And this is yet another example of it. Here they are walking with, literally, not figuratively, literally walking with Jesus and didn't even know he was there. Can I tell you today, just because you may not feel him all the time, just because you may not be overwhelmed with his presence all the time. Do not let the enemy convince you that he is not with you. Because even in the middle of your chaos, even in the middle of your trials and tests, he is right there with you. The psalmist says in Psalms 19 and verse number 1, The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. I, I, I believe not only from this verse, but from many other verses as well. That creation is an, is, is a part of the purpose of creation is a demonstration of the power and the awesomeness of God. And there's so many beautiful things in, in creation. This is, this, this, this has been a seemingly to me, I haven't looked up the statistics on it, but it seemed to be a fairly wet spring. Maybe not any, any wetter than normal, but but also, and I, I don't, I don't know, I, I'm not at home this morning, obviously, but I just, here I go about the azaleas again. They, they seem, they seem more vibrant to me this spring, and I don't know, maybe it's just the circumstances, I, I kind of have an opinion that God has just kind of blessed us with the flowers being a little a little more beautiful this year because of the circumstances but that that's just my opinion nevertheless 
I don't know about you, but when I look at that, when I look at the flowers, when I, when I look at the birds, when I look at animals, when I look at the stars, oh, when you look up on a, on a starry night, especially when you're not in a place like a city where there's all kinds of light pollution, but when you're in the middle of nowhere and you look up and the longer you look, the more stars you begin to see. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. He, he goes on to say day unto day. There, there is a continual testimony and witness of God in creation and especially in the beauty of creation. And, and let's be honest, we all like to find God in the beauty of creation. We all like to find God in the beauty of the majestic mountains and, and in the beauty of the sunrise and the sunset. Oh, that's so wonderful. But I've come to tell somebody today that God is not just in the beautiful things, but God is also in the midst of your chaos. And God is also to be found in the middle of your confusion. And like these two disciples, you may not recognize all the time that He is with you, but He made this promise. I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you, but I'm always going to be there. I like to feel the presence of God. I enjoy the feeling of the presence of God, but I've also learned a long time ago, I may not be feeling God or think I feel God, but he is just as near to me when I feel him as when I don't feel him. He's no more real when I feel him than when it seems like I can't feel him. Matthew chapter 14, verse number 22 says this. Jesus, if I'm not mistaken, this is right after the feeding of the 5,000 or the 4,000, I think, one of those two. Jesus had instructed the disciples to get into a boat and head to the other side of the sea. So verse 22, straightway. Jesus constrained his disciples to get in the ship, go before him to the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship, what ship? I want you to, I want you to notice this. What ship is this talking about? It's talking about the one from verse 22 where Jesus told the disciples to get into it and to go to the other side. So this ship in verse 24 that is now in the middle of the sea, tossed with waves because the wind was contrary. It was not in these circumstances by chance. You know, those of you that, hopefully there's some of you that that are watching right now, you may not really understand this terminology, but for those of you that do, we, I think we kind of have this, this idea that when God speaks a word to us, it is this, it is this just sensational, mystical thing. I realize if you go back to verse 22, Jesus didn't say, you know, thus saith the Lord unto you, get in the boat and go to the other side. He just simply said, get in the boat, go to the other side. But he said, get in the boat, go to the other side. Did did you catch that? Did y'all catch that? He didn't just say get in the boat. He said, get in and go to the other side, meaning he intended for them to get to the other side. And he also knew that there was a storm that was going to cross their paths as they were out on that sea. Just because God didn't tell you the storm was coming doesn't mean God didn't know the storm was coming. Just because God didn't tell us that in March and April you won't be able to gather together as a congregation and have church the way you're used to doing it does not mean that God did not know it was coming. Just because God didn't tell 
tell you you were going to get laid off from your job doesn't mean that God didn't know you were going to get laid off from your job. But if you think back a little bit, it may not have been anything all that sensational. It may have just been a simple little word, but there's a chance you could go back and find where he said, I'm sending you to the other side. The ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. Now, again, I'm not trying to be Monday morning quarterback and critiquing everything. Because I'm pretty sure if I was in the same situation as them, I'd have responded the same way they did. I talked earlier a few minutes ago. You can recognize people by the sound of their voice. You also can recognize people that you know well by their profile. You can see them at a distance. And if, it's, if, it's, if the light is dim and you can't see their face, but you can, you can see their, their body, you can see their, their, the outline of their, their physique, you, you can recognize them. You can see the side of somebody's head when it's, maybe it's not a lot of light and you can't see it clearly, but you can see the shape of their head. And if it's somebody you know, you recognize them. You, you can recognize people by the way they walk. I used to, I don't know if I've changed. I didn't do it intentionally when I was younger, and I didn't stop doing it on purpose, but I, I used to always get made fun of, not made fun of, but just kind of in jest and fun picked on when I was younger, especially for the way I walked. Because apparently when I was younger, I had a hop. You can see people. You can recognize them from from their walk. These guys had spent time more time with Jesus than anybody else how was it that they see him coming and and see him walking and I again I know I mean <laughs> if I see somebody walking on the water I'd be a little you know shaken too but eventually as they see him walking surely somebody would have went oh wait a minute I recognize that figure. I recognize that walk. I recognize that profile. But they were so caught up in their chaos. They were so caught up in the circumstances they were in. They missed the fact that Jesus is right there on his way to where we are. But straightway Jesus spake unto them saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not. Afraid. I, I've come today to tell somebody, and and again, I I I, I try. I, I've said this already, and I keep saying, and I keep doing. I, I really, I try not to say anything about the c word. You get enough of that. I saw somebody. I I thought this was a pretty good post. I saw somebody posted on Facebook a couple of days ago, a day or two ago, whatever. Wish there was some way to have a filter to to block the word coronavirus or COVID-19 from your news feed. So you didn't, we're, we're inundated. So I apologize. But I'm going to say it again. Every single person watching, every single person listening, when this is over with, your life doesn't suddenly become a perfect place. It's kind of like New Year's, New Year's Eve. Well, we get to New Year's. We can get to New Year's Eve. We're going to get our resolutions, and we're going to start a new year, and everything's going to fresh start it. Nothing changes from December 31st to January 1st. And when all of this is over, you, you, you still got challenges. You've still got trials. You, you st- many of you are dealing with other physical issues that have nothing to do with this virus. So even once it's thought that we're safe now from COVID-19, yours isn't going away. So I've come to preach to you today that you may be in some chaos and you may continue to be in some chaos, but I just got to tell you, Jesus is in the middle of your chaos. He's not just in this sanctuary when we come together for a nice service and everything seems in order and in place. He's not just with us when we sit down with our family and everything seems to be 
fine. That's not the only time he's there. In the middle of our chaos. Oh yes, look up in the heavens tonight if it's a clear night and it's not too bright where you are and look at the heavens testifying about God. Look at them giving a witness about God. But I also want you to look around you in the midst of your chaos and your confusion today and realize that God is with you in the middle of that. Can I give you just a couple of quick, simple other examples from Scripture that demonstrate what I'm preaching you to you today. Daniel, when Daniel made the decision, the decree went out. You, 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 the only thing, only prayers can be prayed to the king, and if you pray to any other god, you're going to be thrown into a lion's den. There is no indication in Scripture that Daniel had a, had a word from God that if you pray and get thrown into the lion's den, I'm going to save you. Everything's going to be all right. To, to my knowledge and my, my assumption is Daniel did not know what the outcome was going to be. He just knew, I pray... <laughs> Prayer is not a religious activity that I can eliminate from my life simply because there's a possibility that if I do it, I'm going to get in trouble. And so Daniel went to do what he normally did. And, 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 and I would imagine that when Daniel gets thrown into that lion's den, I would imagine his heart was racing. I would imagine his pulse was pounding in his head. He could feel his heart beating out of his chest because he had no idea if he was about to be dinner for the lions. And I just, I just, I imagine as the moments began to go by, that heart rate began to gradually return back to normal. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know if he ever reached a point that night where there was absolutely total comfort to say, well, it looks like I'm going to be good. But obviously as the night went on, he began to realize, I, I think I'm going to be all right. But I would, I would also think that as they were get, as they were about to throw him into the lion's den, there there probably was a thought that crossed his mind: God, where are you? In fact, another example I want to give you is 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 the three Hebrew children, which we know from Scripture. They're very connected with Daniel, and most of you know the story of them. The, another decree goes out: you can only worship the king, and when you hear the music play, you got to bow down and you need to worship. And so the music plays and everybody except for these three Hebrew children bow. I want to remind you of something real quick. They weren't the only Hebrews there. But they were the only three that chose to not bow. We have to be careful to let what other Christians do define what we do. Surely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could have looked around and said, you know, all the other Hebrews are bowing. I think I'm going to bow too. But they stood. They bring him before the king, and the king tries to give him one more chance. And, and, and they respond, and they say, we will not bow. And they say what was a very powerful declaration of faith. Our God can deliver us. But they also make another statement that wasn't a statement of, of unbelief. It wasn't a statement of, of, of doubt. It actually was, to me, the first statement was a statement of faith. Our God can deliver us. The second statement was the statement of trust. But if he doesn't, he can but if he doesn't, we still will not bow. Most of you know the story. They throw them into that fiery furnace. Surely, as they're in the process of being thrown in, 
they, I, I, I would think they were thinking, God, where are you? It'd be real nice for you to deliver right now. You see, what they didn't understand was that God was going to deliver. He just wasn't going to deliver exactly the way they would have hoped for it. Can I tell you today, sometimes God waits until you get in the fire to show up and to take care of the circumstances. But you got to realize, I may even get thrown into the fire, but God can meet me in the middle of the fire. David, that notable, so famous, well-known Psalm, Psalm 23, he said, he said, you are with me. I'm in the valley, I am in, I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death, but you are with me. You're in the valley, you're in the difficulty, you're, you're in the challenge. I preached a couple of weeks ago about the darkness. You're in the darkness, God. You're in the middle of my dark times. You're, you're in the middle of my difficulties. My difficulties are not the indicator you have abandoned me. My, my, my circumstances are not the witness that you have neglected me, but you are with me because as I've already said, he promised, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Job is not Job, one of the greatest examples to see that God is in the chaos. Job starts off in the beginning of the book of Job. He's got a great life. Everything is good. He's a blessed man. He's a happy man. He's a wealthy man. And then his world falls apart and and in the middle of that, there are times in which he expresses his doubt and his questions about where God is and where God has gone. But by the time it's over with, at the end of it all, Job says, I've now, I now have seen you. I've now experienced you for myself. See, I think a part of the challenge that we have is, is this. We have this thing, we are wired with this thing that's called fight or flight. It's this, it's this uh, uh, pre-wired response that you and I have when we are faced with a, a dangerous situation or a crisis or a, a problem. As a part of our our desire, our 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 uh, ingrained desire to live, fight or flight is the response that we have. And so, when when we're in a dangerous situation, our 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 our, our brains, our minds are processing what is, what is what is the best possible way for me to survive this. Stand and fight, whatever the situation is, whatever the threat is, or flight. Run from it. And when we get into difficult situations in our lives, not quite the same way as in a natural, physical situation, but I think that that same thing kicks in, the fight or flight process kicks in and we start to go into a difficult situation or God leads us through a through a valley of the shadow of death and we're starting to figure out what what's the do I need to fight is my is my best chance of survival to fight through this or is my best chance of survival to turn and run but can I tell you today there's there's another Option, or there's a couple of other options. And that is, instead of fight or flight, as contrary as it may be to your nature in the circumstances, another response is wait. Just wait. Because they that wait upon the Lord are going to be renewed. 
I believe it was Job, and in the context of the 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 the, the uh, primary context of what Job was saying, he was talking about eternity. But I I think there's an application to this life. Job said, "All all the days of my appointed time, I'm going to wait until my change comes." He was he was making a declaration. My change. There is a change that is going to come. And again, Job was saying that in the context of eternity, he had confidence that his eternity was going to be a, a, a peaceful, joyful place. But yet we see from the story of Job that the change wasn't just something in eternity. There was a change in Job's temporal life. And so sometimes it's not fight, it's not flight, it's wait. And I don't know if this is really another option or maybe it's just kind of one and the same or saying the same thing a little bit different way, but but it's just surrender. I don't like these circumstances, God. I I don't know anybody. I don't know if you're out there. I haven't heard from you. I haven't communicated with you. I don't know anybody that likes what we're going through. I don't know anybody that that what we're dealing with right now is the preference of how you like to live life. But if I can learn to surrender, because if we're not careful. I guess really it's kind of that fight response. We we take matters into our own hands. I I got to figure this out. I got to fix it. I don't know where God is. I don't know where God's gone. He apparently seems to have abandoned me and so I I'm in this alone. I'm all by myself and so I got to do something. But maybe today you're like those two disciples. You're so overwhelmed by some circumstances and situations. You're just kind of shuffling through life, head down, weighted down. And you've yet to really notice that there's somebody right there who is walking with you. The very one that maybe you think and feel has abandoned you is the very one that is right there with you. Maybe you're in the middle of your storm today and you're getting overwhelmed by the circumstances and somewhere out there on the horizon you can see something, but our natural response is, "Uh uh-oh, here comes more trouble. I think that may be a part of the response the disciples had. They were so caught up in the storm and the challenge of the storm. When they see that figure coming on the water, that, that natural response is, well, I, I guess this is more trouble. Kind of like what I read to you, and please understand I'm not using this in any way to be judgmental or critical because I would I would expect to be in the same situation, but... It's like the statement I read to you of, with reference to Brother Hernandez that his wife left the hospital after visiting him simply waiting from a natural perspective for the next call to be that bad news. And I've come to tell somebody today in the middle of your chaos, in the middle of the uncertainty of life, And again, beyond just this big picture issue that we're all dealing with. He is right there with you. I come to encourage somebody today. Don't let the circumstances you're in. Don't let the situations you're going through determine or cause you to determine whether or not God is with you or if He has forsaken you. I will never, I will never leave you. If if there's anybody who's watching and listening right now, you, you don't really have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You... You, you don't really know Him. You, you, you've never experienced Him before. Can I tell you today, 
I don't care how old you are. And even if you've been through some really difficult situations, he's, he's actually always been there. You say, well, if he's always been there, how, how come he let me go through this? How come he let me experience that? How, how come he let me be abused or mistreated? How come he let me be hurt? Because he's, he's not our ticket to a pain-free, problem-free life. But he is the answer. He is the answer as to how we get through it. He is the answer as to how we overcome it. You may be sitting in your house right now. You may be in your car. You, you may be in a variety of places right now. But Again, as much as I miss all of us being together in this sanctuary... We are continuing to experience firsthand that God is not limited to a location. And right where you are right now, I want you to know He's there. As much chaos as you may feel right now, I want you to know He's right there. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, God, you know that our tendency... You know that our natural reaction is to judge whether or not you're with us by what's going on. We judge your approval or disapproval, God, by the circumstances. That's, that's our human reaction. That's our human response. But I pray, God, that by your grace you would, you would empower us today by your spirit to be able to see that in spite of the chaos that I may be in, in spite of the challenges that I'm facing right now, God, you are in the middle of my chaos with me. I may, it may seem like I can't feel you right now. As Job said, it may seem like I can't find you right now. I, I've tried everything I know to try. I've done everything I know to do. I've I prayed every prayer I know to pray, and I just can't seem to find you. But God, you know, you know where I am. You know where every individual is that's watching right now. Not only do you know where they are, but you are Emmanuel, God with us. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, God, I'm believing you for your touch right now. I'm believing you, God, for the ministry of your spirit right now upon the hearts and lives of those that are listening, those that are watching. Do what only you can do today, God. Let peace, let the assurance that comes from you settle down on them right now. In Jesus' name, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let the Spirit of the Lord touch you right now, wherever you are. Let the Spirit of the Lord bring some peace and comfort right now, wherever you are. Let the, let the Spirit of the Lord bring the assurance that He's in control. Everything is going to be all right. All things are going to work together for your good according to His plan and His purpose. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And surely by the power of your spirit, God. By the power of your spirit. So my In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. This is how I fight my Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe today. See, no matter what I feel, I believe. No matter what it looks like, I believe that you are with me, God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. This is how I fight my battles. Oh, 
is how I'm going to get through my trials. This is how I'm going to get through my valley of the shadow of death. This is how I Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. individual under the sound of my voice right now. Even if it is by technology, God, I believe you can do it. I believe that you can fill homes right now. I believe you can fill vehicles. You can fill workplaces right now. Surround us. We're not surrounded by our circumstances. We're surrounded by you. We're not surrounded by our difficulties. We're surrounded by you, God. This is how I fight my battles. The name of Jesus. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how. say something I feel like there's somebody maybe still watching right now that I I realize the primary context if you will of what I preach today is, is about the things that seem to happen that are out of our control crisis situations in our lives that that were not of our choosing they had nothing to do with with anything that was in our power i i just i feel like there may be somebody watching right now that i i want you to know that even if you're chaos even if you are responsible because of the decisions and the choices you've made and that that is what has created your chaos I want to tell you today that God is just as much in your chaos with you as He is in the chaos that is beyond our control. He's just as much there. You say, well, you know, I've caused, it's my fault. I'm in this because of my bad decisions. I'm in this because of my rebellion. I'm in this. That may be the case. 
But I want you to know today, He is just as much in your chaos as He is in the chaos that is out of your control. He doesn't look at you in your chaos and say, well, you caused that. I'm not, I'm not helping. Oh, no, 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 no. Scripture says it like this. He, he is close to them that have a broken heart. It's close to them. So I just, I want somebody to know right now. I, I may be completely missing it. You may, there, there may not be anybody that's listening right now, but maybe it'll be somebody in the future that you listen to the archive of this. I, I'm telling you, I feel, I feel so strongly impressed in my spirit to tell you right now, even if what you are in, you've caused it. He's in you. He's in the midst of your chaos. And the same way in which he'll lead us out of the chaos that is beyond our control is the same way that he'll bring you through your chaos even if it's you that caused the chaos. I speak right now against every spirit of doubt and unbelief, every accusation that would come from the enemy, God, to undermine the faith of those that may be in the middle of chaos right now, that they have caused it themselves. God, you are just as much with them. You are just as able, God, to deliver and bring them out as you are others who are not in chaos that they've caused that it's it's life it's the circumstances i speak mercy and grace to work right now father let the voice of the enemy the voice of accusation let it be silenced and let the voice of love and compassion that comes from you let that voice work right now in the name of jesus In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus.